Hello and welcome to episode 159 of Navigating the Modern World. <laughs> um, hi, I'm so glad that you're here. I wanted to start this podcast by saying that I have a fan running in the background. So if you hear kind of a buzzing, that is the sound of a fan. Um, I am in the process of moving, so there's some outside noise, and so this is a way to mitigate that a little bit. Um, today we're going to talk about, we're going to kind of talk about two things, but one of the things is inspired by one of the other things. So we're going to talk about Titnat Han, who is a Zen monk that died. He died a few days ago. He died on the 22nd of January. And then we're going to talk about a piece of his writing that is currently inspiring me. And I want to just share what's coming up with that. Um, I'm going to just start by letting anybody who has not heard of Titnahan, I'm going to read just who he is a little bit. Um, and then we can just dive right in. Um, and for anybody who doesn't want to just talk about Titnahan, the the thing that we're going to be talking about is we're going to be talking about observation of the things that are occurring for us. So observation of the body, observation of the mind, observation of our feelings. Um, Titnahan has a beautiful suggestion around observation and actually he changes the word from observation to something else and I'm going to just share a little bit about that because it has been really powerful for me. So we'll just start by on the book that I'm going to be reading by Titnat Han. it's Being Peace, Being Peace. Um, on the back it says Titnat Han, poet, Zen master, and chairman of the Vietnamese Buddhist peace delegation during the war, was nominated by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for the Nobel Peace Prize. Thomas Merton described him as a more my brother than many who are nearer to me in race and nationality because he and I see things in the exact same way. Um, he is such a beautiful human being. Um, he really made his life about writing about Buddhist psychology and Buddhist meditation, but he also really, really, really used it for social justice. Um, he spoke out against the war in Vietnam and he actually got exiled from his country and was exiled up until only, I don't know, maybe a decade or two ago. I, I'm not exactly sure the exact day, but, um, and I think about when these beautiful, remarkable spiritual teachers and thought leaders that are walking the planet, that when they die, that other beings are going to have to step up. Somebody hopefully will replace them. And it's kind of this beautiful thought to think about people 
are currently in training to be the next thought leader, to be the next spiritual advocate for peace on the planet. And I really, really, really love that thought. Um, so that's just a little bit about Dinan Han. And we're going to talk about um, awareness. And I'm going to try to find the page really quick. Okay, so if you are a person that likes to follow along, and if by chance you have the book Being Peace, um, it's on page 38. I want to give you a little bit of backstory. So in meditation, if you are not a meditator, no problem, you are welcome here. If you are a meditator, I talk about meditation and mindfulness a ton. And one of the words that we use in the mindfulness Buddhist you know, community is this word observe. That when you sit to meditate, that your only job is to observe your breath. And then when the mind takes you away from your breath, you observe whatever the mind took you to, and then you bring yourself back to the breath. It's this. And then, you know, if you're observing the body, let's say you're doing a meditation on the body, then you're observing the body, all of this stuff. Like the to be mindful is to observe. It's a very common, um, very common word and phrase. And Titnat Han has a slightly different take on this word, and he suggests a new word. And this has been super powerful for me, and I'll share why after I read this little snippet from the book on page 38. Modern physicists think that the word observer is no longer valid. Because an observer is distinct from the object he observes. They have discovered that if you retain that kind of distinction, you cannot go very far in subatomic nuclear science. So they have proposed the word participant. You are not an observer, you are a participant. That is the way I always feel when I give a lecture. I don't want the audience to be outside, to observe, to, to listen only. I want, them, I want them to be one with me, to participate, to practice, to breathe. The speaker and the people who listen must become one in order for right perception to take place. The speaker and the people who listen must become one in order for right perception to take place. So I'm going to put this in even more layman's terms. When we observe something, there automatically comes in this idea that we are separate from the thing that we're observing. So if I'm observing my breath, then there is the breath and then there is me observing it. So there are two separate things. Or if I'm observing another person, right? I'm observing this other person. There is a direct distinction between me and the other person. If I'm um, observing the ocean, there's a very big distinction between myself and the ocean. They're separate. They're separate. So what Titnat Han is pointing at here is what if instead of observing, which holds this idea that two things are separate and one thing is observing the other thing. What if we change the word observer to the word participant? And then we begin to uh, 
be with things, participate in things so that that thing and you become one participating together in this co-created experience. So I want to talk about where I've been having kind of like light bulb moments and hopefully this will help break apart the, the idea even more. So I've been thinking about it in the realm of my body. So I'm a woman um, who lives in the Western world and has a propensity to worry about my body, worry about what it looks like, worry about the size of it, worry about what it looks like in clothing, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And I have worked really hard through meditation to observe the body. Observe the body. What's going on here? Oh, I feel uncomfortable here. Observing it, observing it. There's like this distinction of the discomfort and is over here and then I am over here. And I'm observing the discomfort that occurs in the body. Whether that might be physical discomfort, whether that might be mental discomfort, whatever it might be. And I've been thinking about it. I'm like, huh, I started thinking about this participant idea. And so one of the things that I um, will do with my body is I will like think about its form, its shape, and I will often judge its form or its shape. And I'm constantly having to observe this. I'm like, okay, here it is again thinking that I'm too big here, thinking that I'm too small here, thinking that I'm, you know, like my boobs are too small, my belly's too big, like whatever it might be. And so I've spent a lot of time observing that and being kind as I observe that. And so that's maybe like, I don't know, been good practice, right? To be kinder to myself and to just recognize when I'm having these kind of thought patterns arise and just observing it. And this idea of participant begins to shift things for me. So if I'm observing it and I'm being kind, that definitely has an effect, right? I'm not, not going to be as judgy. I'm not going to be as mean to myself. Like very, It's been very helpful and it has an effect. And it's almost like changing the word observer to participant brings it to like a whole other level. So if I am the participant in my body then there is no difference between my body and me so if we think about how we judge our bodies it feels very much like we're judging something outside of ourselves we're kind of like picking and prodding at this thing um, that's over here while there's something deeper or more true that's in here right and there's a way in which when I think about participating with my body that I can almost sense a listening to it, being with it, walking with it, inquiring into it. What are you hungry for? What are you feeling right now? Like really, really interacting with it, participating with it instead of pushing it to the side because I think it's not perfect. 
and trying to put my maybe efforts into other things like, oh, I'm very smart. I'm just going to put my efforts over here. Or, oh, I can sing well. You know, it's like there's always some bit of separation in the body and me. And there's this really beautiful thing that begins to arise when I think about just participating with this body. It's almost like we, me and the body become friends and we're participating and we're, we're going to work together to co-create this experience because the body isn't me and I'm not the body. It's like there is, I am the body and the body is me, right? It's like, it's both. It's, it's a co-created experience. I am not separate from the body. The body is not separate from me. And if we can work together, if we can participate, both of us, in this experience then something can begin to happen. And another way that I've been thinking about it is every time that there is separation between you and something else, suffering occurs. Because there's an it and there's a you. And if that thing over there does something to you, then you're suffering. Or if you do something to it, then it's suffering, right? Whereas if we can really think about when I think about, I'll just share from my, from my experience of thinking about this, when I think about this thing over here, aka my body, just in this situation, this scenario, this example, I want to partner with, I want to engage with my body like it's a friend, I want to listen to it, I want to care about it, I want to love it. And then, you know, the body will then do the same. It's a co-created experience. There is no separation between my body and me. But we are working together to participate in this experience called life. And we can think about this in conflict too. You know, the, the, the title of this book is Being Peace. And we can think about this, like, what if we were just participating with every single thing that's occurring in our present moment reality? So let's say a person, they come into your existence, they walk into the room you're in, and they start maybe arguing with you about something. There's a way in which when we believe we are separate from that person, then it doesn't really matter how we treat them. When we aren't in the... Um, awareness that this person is us and I am this person. So if I hurt them, I hurt me. That's participating, right? Like if I hurt them, then guess what? I'm participating in that. I am also going to hurt. And then vice versa. So how can I participate with this person in order to create less suffering? Okay, they're upset with me. Maybe we say to them, hey, I really hear something's really important for you and I'm trying to hear you. Um, could we talk in such a way that I can hear you? Because I really want to hear you and I want to try to solve whatever's going on with you. Right? It's a very different way than someone's yelling at you and then you're yelling back and, and then both of you are participating in more war right? Whereas when somebody comes at you, you then get the choice of how to participate with them. And you can participate however we participate is however, um, I don't know, whatever the karma is, right? So cause and effect. So if I participate in a place of peacefulness, understanding, care, then my hope is that that would in some way change the environment 
And remember, it may not always happen right away. This is like so important to remember. It may not always happen right away. Like the other person might storm out, whatever. But remaining peaceful or participating in a peaceful way affects you, right? So you're them, they're you. So how you participate creates your your next experience. And I will say this. I would say like nine times out of ten, it does change the outer experience. There are those exceptions to the rule where someone is so fiery, red, hot, angry that they can't see and they can't hear you. And that's okay. That happens to all of us. We all have moments when, you know, we're seeing red and we can't quite hear or see what the other person is talking about. And we can, you know, when we're participating with anything, it's this whole other experience of like almost becoming it. Um, Tenahan talks about in this book uh, how he was in the beginning of his career, how he was he was helping with children who were being orphaned due to the Vietnam War. So what would happen is these children would become orphans because their parents would be killed in war and he would receive these kind of like written up letters about the children and then a picture of the child. And his job was to translate these from Vietnamese into French. And so at first he would just start, you know, translating the words and he realized that it didn't really translate. There was something missing. And he was thinking about it in, you know, almost like the observer, observing the letters on this page, translating them over here. And he decided, like, hmm, something is missing. I'm not quite sure what. And he began to play with just staring at this picture of the child and beginning to participate with the child, beginning to feel the pain that they were in from losing their parents beginning to feel the pain that they were in. Maybe they were hurt also due to war. Beginning to feel the pain that they were in, that they had lost everything that they owned. Beginning to like actually like see them and all of the experiences they had ever had. Really participating with this child in order to write something up about them in hopes that they would be sponsored or adopted. And he said that when he did this, he really recognized that it became a participant activity where he was participating with this child and something else was created. Like, it wasn't just a translation, it was actually like he began to step into these, you know, these children's shoes. And he began in doing that, his heart was changed and what came out on paper was changed. And the translations became more true more emotional, more of the heart than just these random words. It was almost like he was meeting the children, participating with them, helping them co-create, you know, this future for themselves. And we can really do this with anything. You know, I think a lot of times in life, um, we do think of ourselves as separate from things, from the food we eat from the places we go, from the cars we drive. And something really magical begins to happen when we begin to think about like, hmm, what if I just participated with this car to get me from point A to point B? 
and we begin to feel the way the car moves on the road. We begin to feel and hear the way the car hums. We begin to feel the speed of the car. We begin to, we begin experience. We begin experiencing driving instead of just driving this car from here to there. Most of the time when we're doing anything, we're not really paying attention and to participate in something. Imagine playing a sport and not, and not being there. Like you're out on the field and you're just zoned out, you know, pieced out from the world. Yeah, you'd probably get hit by a ball or, I don't know, tackled really hard or um, they would kick you out of the game because you're not participating. You're not becoming one with the team for this collective good. And we do this in life. We, we don't actually participate much in things. We're kind of like you know, just barely touching things and being completely unconscious that we are this thing. Like even this microphone that I have in front of me recording my voice. There's a completely different experience when I just think that this microphone is separate from me. When I begin to participate with the microphone, I begin to pay really close attention to how my voice sounds in the microphone how close I am to it. I begin to participate with it to co-create this experience so that the experience is, I don't know, cohesive. Sometimes when I'm closest to the mic, so you can see how, you can see how it changes. Like if I wasn't paying attention, then, and if I wasn't participating and I was just, you know, being mindless, then the experience changes and you can feel the experience changing. What if somebody talked into the mic like that the whole time? It would be very annoying. It would hurt your ears. And we do this all the time. We go to the grocery store and we don't even acknowledge the humans walking by. Not that you need to say hi to everyone and create conversation, but the acknowledgement that you are participating, that you are co-creating an experience in this, in this shopping, you know, store in this grocery store. And when we participate, we co-create, you know, you're paying attention to where others are and where you are. And it becomes more of like this flow experience versus like, have you ever been at the grocery store where everyone has pieced out, nobody is participating, and then everyone's in everyone's way? Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> um, and I would say it's like, we're not participating. And I love the idea that life is just about participating in whatever we're doing. If you're eating, participate with the food. Taste it. Feel it. When you're cutting it up, honoring it, thanking it for the nutrients that it gives you. Like, really to participate in this life and everything we're doing is a game changer. And maybe it's the only thing that we're here doing to actually participate, to be a part of this bigger thing and to participate in it fully, like playing a sport, being fully engaged, being ready for action, being present to whatever's here. If you're not present to who has the ball in the basketball court, you're not going to be helpful to the team. But when we're present to whatever's occurring and we're participating in whatever's occurring, something magical begins to happen. 
an aliveness begins to happen. And so in honor of the late Thich Nhat Hanh, who, by the way, died 122-2022. Um, There's so many twos. I'm so curious about that. Um, <laughs> anyone who like, does not believe in numbers is like rolling their eyes big time. Um, but just a very cool number to pass on. Um, so just in honor of his life and his writings and his teachings and his breath, his sacred breath that um, gave so much life to this earth, to other humans, to nature, to, and will live on, you know, for so long. I just want to suggest that you practice participating today. To participate, we've got to pay attention. And we've got to pay attention in a kind, loving way. And how can you participate in whatever you're doing today? In the meetings you have to go to, in the email responses, with your children, with the food you eat. Instead of seeing it as something separate from you, how can you begin to imagine you're participating and becoming one with whatever you're engaging in? When you engage in making a podcast, you become one with that podcast. When you engage with your child, you become one with that child. When you engage with your partner, you become one with them. You, you begin participating with them in that moment, that present moment experience. When you're in a meeting, you become one with the meeting and the other beings in the meeting, participating fully. When you're driving, you participate with the car, you pay attention, you are present with whatever's occurring. And just notice the difference in experience. Don't believe me, practice and notice. Titnathan, thank you. You were such a gift to this earth. You are such a gift to me. I will walk every day attempting to honor what you have taught. Until next time.